Kiano Koto, welcome to the panel on RNZ National. Wallace Chapman with you, Nikki Bazant and Alan McElroy are with me today. Now, just a Friday afternoon traffic update for you in Auckland. Uh, the Northern Motorway is very slow southbound following a crash which is blocking the right lane near Northcote Road on-ramp and Pakakariki Hill Road north of Wellington is closed until 7pm uh, this evening. In Waikato, a truck crash has closed State Highway 30 between Barryville and Maradoa Road there. Uh, now, uh, big feedback regarding uh, Enid Blyton Wallace. As a kid, Enid Blyton was my all-time favourite author. I am now 76 and have all my fa- famous five books still in the attic. If anybody finds them all naughty offensive, they have a problem. And get a life, says John Rangiora. Nikki is so right. There is a lack of research into female pattern hair loss, for example, which is common. Yeah. Uh, is that true? Yeah, yeah. that is. Uh, available treatments are not approved for women because of a lack of this. And your malapropisms, money for nothing and your checks for free. Jason says, I couldn't understand why you would need checks if you had money for nothing. (laughs) (laughs) And I had a friend who thought in excess saying, I want to make a super salad roll. Suicide blonde, that is. Uh, First up on the programme, New Zealand could yet have another access rather to another vaccine in the immediate future. This is the Janssen vaccine. Janssen's pharma- Janssen Pharmaceutical is Belgium-based division of Johnson Johnson, Johnson & Johnson and was one of the four vaccine providers with which New Zealand had signed in principal purchase agreements, in this case covering up to 5 million vaccines. Medsafe expects to make a decision within a, within a fortnight and it has been approved by the US Food and Drug Administration, the FDA. Meanwhile, the Prime Minister has just received her first dose of the Pfizer vaccine at Manarewa Vaccination Clinic in Auckland. With us is the University University of Auckland vaccinologist, Associate Professor Helen Petrusis-Harris. Dr Petrusis-Harris, welcome to the programme. Oh, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Can you tell us a little more about the vaccine, Vanson vaccine? It's uh, it's called a, a viral vector vaccine and it's, it's not Unlike the one we're using at the moment, it just uses a different method for for getting its little payload uh, into our cells so that we can uh, we can make the vaccine. I understand that it uses the same technology, or the company uses the same technology for use in making the Ebola vaccine. Yeah, that's true. There's actually a number of examples of this technology in, in vaccines. And, of course, the um, this is also uh, very like the AstraZeneca vaccine, um, the COVID AstraZeneca vaccine as well. I guess one difference is that this is this a single-shot vaccine, is that right? Yeah, what these guys did was um, when they did their, their big clinical trials, they tested one shot instead of two. Um, and where everybody else was studying two doses. So they've got data on the one, which shows a single dose is pretty good. Mm. And so that's how it would be administered to people in New Zealand. You'll just have that, you'll go in for that single dose and that's it. Yeah, that's right. Unless, you know, in the future, you know, they they might use an additional dose. But uh, at the moment, that's looking pretty good. Yeah, I'll jump in with our panel very shortly, Helen. But look, there was this massive multi continent study rather that showed one dose was 85% effective against the most severe COVID-19 illnesses and remained strong even in countries like South Africa where the concerning variants spread so that's also got to be good news that uh, against these new variants this is um, this is effective 
Yeah, it's looking pretty good. I've also seen um, some data that shows it uh, it can reduce the transmission as well. People who who um, you know asymptomatic can pass it on. So so that's also good news. Mm, all right, Nikki, do you have a question? Yeah, Helen, I'm wondering if we if we approve this one and we so that we, we then have two vaccine options, how would it roll out? Would people get the choice of which one they got to mm. they got to have? a really good question. I have no idea because, of course, once you add in a, a diff- another vaccine into the mix, it does complicate things a little bit. Mm. And on that, I mean, is it is it typical in a pandemic to have uh, an array of available choices, Helen? I think really the uh, only example we've got to go on is the uh, recently in recent history is that flu flu pandemic we had in two thousand and nine ten, uh, and we we had a whole range of. Um, flu vaccines, and some were a little different. Right. Mm. Ellen, you got a question? Uh, <clears throat> does it cost more uh, to uh, go with the two jabs instead of one jab? So that new vaccine, would that turn out to be a lot more affordable for the government? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I've, and, and I think the, the vaccine itself might, might cost less as, less as well. So it means it goes a lot further. Now, are you optimistic at this point in time that the great majority of New Zealanders will line up to get the vaccine? Yeah, I am. I think uh, I think most people are pretty pretty uh, either either quite keen and can't mm. wait to get it, or or at least um, you know quite happy to have it. So, and I think that that's increased a little bit um, over the last few months. So that's really encouraging. I was actually reading on RNZ uh, just a day or so ago that New Zealand's success in stamping out COVID-19 has conversely meant that its vaccination rates would need to be higher than countries like the UK and the US. Can you explain that a bit for us? I assume they're basing that on the fact that a lot of people have actually been infected and therefore... uh, Become naturally immune. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So they've got they've got those sort of additional individuals um, as well. Mm, all right. Oh, very good. Thank you very much for being with us. That's Dr. Helen Patrice Harris there uh, on the Janssen vaccine. You're going to get your. You're going yeah, to get of course, up, I want can't? them all. You want them all? Yeah, we can. Yeah. <laughs> Nikki, what about you? Yeah, no, I'm keen. I, I actually quite like the idea of just having one jab, not two jabs. It seems like it would be more convenient. Yeah, yeah. And then the start, yeah. like I have a friend who got the two jabs on the second jab, he was knocked out for the whole day. Uh, oh, whereas my, my girlfriend got the second jab, she was fine, went back to work. But uh, I don't know which way I'd That's fall. That's a male female thing. I think it's probably thing. a male female yeah. thing. Yeah, I'd be on the uh, sofa <laughs> crying. And, and your girlfriend's already had the, had the uh, vaccine? Yeah, she works in uh, university, uh, medical university, so... Uh, just to be involved in that, she has to have it. And how did she feel after? She was grand, yeah. Mm. She was fine, went out, had a few mm. drinks, a yeah. water. Yeah. <laughs> she can lift the car now, but that's different. You know? Yeah, <laughs> that's another story, that's isn't it? it? And I'm sure, uh, Nikki, that having the likes of the Prime Minister and the image of her getting the jab, you know, this afternoon, that, yeah. would, that would have a spillover effect I'm as sure well, do you think? I'm sure that will inspire trust in people, yeah. If, if, you, if you've been feeling like you're not sure, I think, you know, seeing, seeing our, our leader having it would, right. be, would be reassuring, right? It is 15 past four. The panel RNZ National. Nice to have your company uh, this afternoon. Uh, Tenakwe Wallace loved Alan's comment about turning the volume down to the, for the English anthem. <laughs> when we were kids, our English father could never understand how we were always more fierce and vociferous when the All Blacks were playing the English than against the other teams, says Michael. Yeah, I like Michael.
Yeah. Uh, we go way back. <laughs> yes, that's right. Uh, 15 past four now. So there's a planned standalone cycle and walkway bridge <coughs> next to the Auckland Harbour Bridge. It's back in the news now that the newly released figures show the cost of it could far outweigh the benefits. The benefit to cost ratio, the BCR, wasn't provided when Minister Michael Woods announced the new $785 million project earlier this month, but... The initial assessment by Waka Kotahi, it's only 0.4 to 0.6, meaning for every dollar spent on the bridge, there would effectively be a 40 to 60% loss. Act leader David Seymour said it was a stupidly expensive bridge and would only get more expensive before it was finished and should be scrapped. Is this value for money for the citizens of Auckland? With us to discuss is Bike Auckland Chair Barbara Cuthbert. Kia ora, Barbara. Kia ora, Wallace, and kia ora, Pamel. Lovely to hear from you. <laughs> Good to hear from you. Now that we've had, you know, a little bit, bit of time to, to digest this decision, a week and a half along the track, to build this standalone walking and cycling bridge, where do you sit now? Is it the right decision? Well, it's a tricky one, Wallace, because we haven't seen the design of it. Mm. And, and that's, you know, I mean, I know... This is always a thing people say, devil in the detail, but particularly mm. with bridges, it really matters. Where does it land? Where does it yeah. take off? How wide is it? All those things. We haven't seen those. What I've never, ever moved away from is that we need really good walking and cycling access across the harbour because people need to, you know, more and more people on this side, I'm, I'm, bringing, I'm speaking from Devonport, um, you know, we need to get across the harbour to work and study, and that's every day, and the ferries cannot cope. So if, if we don't do a bridge, what will we do? And no, we, we, this is not something that we can think about in five years' time. We've got to do it now. And so the question is the bridge. Well, the bridge, from our estimate, is about 4% of transport budget for Auckland for the next 10 years. So, yeah, so, so the next 10 years' budget is about 4% of that. Now, if you consider that it is the most important cycling project in the whole of Auckland, it doesn't look so bad. Right. Particularly seeing we know that more and more people are using e-bikes and e-scooters on right across both sides of, of the harbour. So, yeah, look, it's a tricky one. I, I'm the first to admit that, but we have to build something. We have to do something. Got to do Give something. I mean, uh, this is the – well, this has been going on for so long. And, I mean, see, back I in 2017, know. you had this momentous – and re- remember how big the news was, the sky path, and no. it was going to be done. So my question to you is, are you, are you actually – honestly, are you confident that the Labor government or the national government is actually going to build this bridge? Or is, is it – I don't know, some sort of stalling tactic. You start to think that, don't you? Yeah, um, look, I I do honestly believe that Michael Woods is genuine. I have no question about that. He he sees the need to close this gap, the crucial gap in the entire Auckland cycling network. So, So from that point of view, if we're playing politics, I don't at all doubt the minister. Mm, okay, uh, Ellen, let's go to you first. Yes, no worries. What do you want to talk about? <laughs> the bridge. Oh, the bridge, the, yeah. The, the, the cycling across the bridge. No, I agree that there should be something to help out, and uh, I, I don't agree with taking away a lane of traffic uh, from cars. 
uh, clip-on uh, was that the bridge couldn't handle the weight of a clip-on but somebody suggested that you drain the whole uh, area and you put a dam up but we'll we go with that one you might have heard that earlier Barbara and I think that's yeah. what we should do you know because if anything I know you Dutch people are great uh, the person said you could do it like that after and drain the harbour so you know that's your Friday afternoon isn't it uh, <laughs> that's Nikki, a good one yeah Nikki let me know when, what day it's going to happen I'd Tuesday. love to be there when it happens be so exciting <laughs> Nikki yeah I'm just bemused actually Barb about because I remember was it five or six or seven years ago when the sky path got Proposed and that, so that was a great idea. I don't yeah. really understand what happened with that. That's but that's what they said. It was too heavy. The bridge couldn't hold the weight of a clip-on or something. Oh, is that is that really what the reason was? For well, the yeah, that is what they said. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what's your question, yeah. Nikki? No, that was my question. Was what happened to the sky path? I mean, why could they not just have done that and we just that would have it by now? Yeah. Well, we would we definitely would have had it by now. That was a sky path was a very very light, you know, super material product. Um, whether it was going to work or not, I actually have my doubts because the problem, I, I don't doubt whether it could have worked or not. What I do doubt is that from the moment Waka Katai took it over, they're not comfortable, they're not familiar with those materials. Mm. And, and I'm not seeing original thinking coming out of them. This, this, new, this one separate bridge, is that really original thinking? Yeah, yeah. nah. Right. So um, I've got a, got a couple of questions here for you, uh, 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 Barbara, but one being um, just coming back to this, because whichever way you look at it, it's uh, whether you agree with David Seymour or not, stupidly expensive is what he calls it. It's a lot of money. Uh, we had the sky path for a lot less. This, this, this using one lane for the bikes, is that actually real, realisable? If you look at international examples, can you have a dedicated bike lane across the Auckland Harbour Ridge and do it from next week? I doubt you can do it from next week because you have to make, you know, safe division between the lanes and you also have to make safety on the actual handrails. So you know what I, I'm talking would, about in the short term I, I do future. know. Look, the, the, that is why Bike Auckland has asked for a summer um, trial of a lane on the bridge for, let's just call it... Um, say, January and February. We actually asked for three months, but certainly January and February. I think we've just got to give something a go now because we've got to the stage now where so many grand schemes have been put up and they've failed. So we do need to get back to basics, and that is exactly why Bike Auckland's asked for the summer trial. Nikki, what do you think? I think we should have something. And I, I actually can't see why we couldn't get, have a trial. Why not? Give it a crack. I mean, it would be great if it could be for walkers as well. I don't think I'm ever going to bike across the bridge, but I'd love to walk across there. Mm. And I'd love to know when I'm going to be able to do that. Mm. Hey, now, um, someone says here, Barb, uh, Wallace, please ask Barbara Cuthbert about the Auckland Bridge solution proposed last week by Reset Urban Design Director Garth Falconer. It sounds like it solves most problems and should be started ASAP. Meanwhile, I do support trialling a cycle walking lane uh, on Sundays during summer. So that's interesting. So just Sundays, one day a week during summer. So that's what this person wants. But in terms of of this new solution, do you know anything about that? Yes, I have. Garth has sent me the proposal. Yes, I'm familiar with it. Can you explain it for us? Well, it, it's it's a separate bridge that swings out right out to the west and and sets off um, from further further around the harbour from the existing one and then lands back on um, North Coast. So it's a completely different concept. Um, right. Whether whether it would fly, 
Hell, it's very early days. I, okay. I, I honestly can't. I mean, why are we going right back to the drawing board just because people want to bike and, and walk across the hard bridge? Do we really have to do that? That's mm. my question. I, that's what I'm saying. And the problem with the Sunday trial is people are forgetting how many, how many people live and work, uh, um, sorry, live on the North Shore and need to get across to the city to study and work. So Sunday, that really doesn't help us. No, it doesn't so really give, give us a picture. Give us a weekday trial. Give us a week. Give us a few weeks trial. Ah, uh, I see. All right. <coughs> okay. Tino Pai, uh, Barbara, thank you very much for that. Very good. That is uh, Barbara Cuthbert from, or the chair of Bike Auckland. Interested in your, in your responses on that. Uh, Twenty-four past four. Uh, you, do you do you cycle at all, Nikki? No, not so I'm, much, I'm yeah. not a cyclist. Yep. Yeah, no, I walk a lot. I'm a pedestrian. Now, you're on the panel, RNZ National, Alan McElroy and Nikki Bazant with me uh, today. Uh, Noddy, the famous five, Secret Seven, the world's bestseller <coughs> since the 1930s. In fact, uh, we're talking about 600 million books and counting. Very popular today still. The British charity, English Heritage, has acknowledged that the writer, Enna Blyton, has been criticised for, quote, racism, xenophobia and lack of literary merit during her lifetime and after. And similarly, Rudyard Kipling has been criticised for racist and imperialist sentiments, reports The Guardian. The charity's online information about both writers has been updated as part of its efforts to provide a fuller picture of those commemorating, including aspects that people might find troubling. The charity also said there are no plans to remove any of those blue plaques in London which commemorate the writers. So this is the charity that puts those blue plaques on historic buildings. So, look, around the panel, um, what do you make of this? We've had a huge response to Ina Blyton. First up, Noddy. What does Noddy mean to you, Alan? <clears throat> oh, pure racism. Uh, no, it's uh, like we watched it as a kid. We, you know, we didn't. It didn't shape our views. I don't. I can't really remember it. But uh, you know, you can't keep cancelling everything. And if there was anything in the books which I can't remember, uh, you learn from past mistakes. So you need it if you just sort of if you if you just get rid of everything, then not you know you don't know what's going to happen. But Noddy, yeah, he he never had a negative effect on me. Not I like this car, <laughs> if anything. Oh, that's right. The Noddy car was good. Adventures in Nutterland, wasn't it, Nikki? This is not cancelling Enid Blyton, though. This is not cancelling her. This is just acknowledging, putting her in context. I actually think what English Heritage has done is pretty good. You know, they're saying... She, mm. They're not saying she's not a beloved writer. Of, oh, no, you know, no, she's they not. They are no, just no. saying... They're putting her in context and saying that, you know, she's, she has been criticised for racism, xenophobia, and, and you know, and things like that, which which is putting her in context of her time. Yeah, but it's clearly, and heard. I think that makes sense. It's, it's, yeah. it's clearly hurt a lot of people. One supporter well, says, no, "I mean, I think aren't we sophisticated enough to be able to hold in our minds two ideas? <clears throat> One is that this is someone with creative talent who also was of their time and should was also racist and xenophobic. Should kids be reading it today? I don't. I can't answer that. It wasn't part of my Why childhood, not? really. I don't. I don't have any. I don't. I can't really. I can't remember anything. Remember negative. much? Yeah. 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 The, the yeah. Ma- you didn't read the Magic Faraway Tree. No. Not first, that I can... first term, Mallory Towers. No. The Enchanted Wood. No. Fa- famous Five. I'm not eighty-five. <laughs> 
I, it's just not. It's just yeah. not. Wasn't part of my childhood. Yeah. I, I wasn't grew up in England either. So yeah. just uh, as an aside, in 2016, Blyton was uh, rejected by the Royal Mint for commemoration on a 50p coin because the advisory committee minutes record she was a racist, sexist, homophobe, and not a very well regarded writer. Others have argued that while these charges can't be dismissed, her work still plays a vital role in encouraging a generation of children to read. My question is, can you, do you think you can judge the works, can you judge the works of creativity with the morals of the day, or is actually, is there, is there a light of objectivity which says, actually, you know what, Enid Blyton should have known better? It's such a tricky one, isn't it? I mean, I, I think you have to judge it by the by, by the standard of the time that they were in all these people, and it's the same with all the statues that we've got around the place of so leave know, the statues colonial up. overlords, <laughs> you know, so old, you, you... old white guys from our own history. But though they need to be contextualised as well. But I think we can acknowledge that they were important people of the time, and they also did bad things that hurt a lot of people. We can have both of those ideas and, at the same time. Yeah, that's right, but uh, leave the statue standing or put them down? Leave them standing, but contextualise them. Make yeah. sure that that's information that's given, like English Heritage have done here. Mm. Uh, well, we talked about it before. Leave some up, but if, if some of them, like, uh, you know, one in Dublin was blown up, but a statue of Queen Victoria <laughs> was, uh, was taken down and then sent over, given to Sydney. So that now stands in Sydney. So it's, it was irrelevant for Ireland, but they just gave it, you know, to Australia. So that yeah. was fine. Well, everywhere's different. Yeah. All right, let me read some of your responses. There's a huge, huge response to this. Ina Blyden has just written for the time of the day. Has anyone ever delved into the archives and found out if she personally was racist or sexist. Um, Well, if you go back and read The Little Black Doll from 1966, uh, it's pretty uh, hardcore, even by the standards of the day. That was criticised in 1966. Yes, it was. So that's the thing. That's that's my point. The point was that Enna Blyton was criticised then. So shouldn't she have known better and changed her writing? Well, maybe, yeah. Maybe she should have. Maybe that's why it's good that we acknowledge that now. Uh, Wallace, as a kid, Eden Blyton was my all-fine time favourite author, says John. Uh, Michael says, I'm a child of the 60s and read her books without seeing or embracing racist ideas. Interestingly, that profoundly racist and xenophobic books like Hitler's Mein Kampf or Darwin's Descent of Man aren't cancelled and freely available for sale. No one's cancelling these books either. They're not taking <laughs> no. the books off sale. No, they are just acknowledging the life of the author. Yeah. Uh, Loved Famous Five growing up in the 70s. Yes, probably racist and xenophobic, but they are a snapshot of the attitudes of the times. So show me a book that didn't have these undertones. Instead of banning them, which they're not banned, thank you, why not use them as an example of what's no longer acceptable and an illustration of how far we've come? I do recall thinking it hilarious that in one book, the kids bought cigarettes to use to thank some old chap who gave them information. That was pretty out there even in the 70s, this person says. Wow. Uh, and I read Ina Blyton voraciously as a kid and took her worldview for granted, but it looks pretty nasty today. The gollywogs were evil like the goblins. George, uh, one of the girls in The Famous Five, had to have a boy's name to be a tomboy and do adventurous things like the boys. The girl and wussy girl things, quote-unquote, unquestionably sexist, racist and misogynistic. She was the product of her era and social class. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's the way it was. All right. All right, the panel RNZ National, Alan McRoy and Nikki Bazant with me this afternoon and loving your feedback coming through. We welcome it all. 2101 is the number to text. You can email me too. The panel at rnz.co.nz. It's time for headlines with Marama Tepole.